All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily, hour number two, rolling along here on this Wednesday midweek hump day edition. It's Ash Wednesday. Uh, We are making our way through the week. We've got the Shockers playing what will be their biggest game of the year, probably no matter what, tomorrow night. We'll spend some time with that uh, as we make our way through through tomorrow. Tommy, you asked me before uh, we got in with Brian Haney there about Super Bowl ads. Uh, I I did, I was on a panel to sort of discuss some of the Super Bowl ads from this past year. Uh, What was that? Last week I was on there. Uh, You saw something about that on social media and you asked me, we'll continue that conversation here for a minute, about the Super Bowl ads and what was my favorite. My favorite was the uh, farmer's dog ad. I, I'm a storyteller by trade, right? That's what that's what I've done for a living my entire professional career. And that commercial particularly, I, I mean, it was a master class in getting all the emotions and everything into, I think it was a minute, into that amount of time, right? You had the, the sweet awe moments in the beginning of the puppy, and then it grows up with the girl, and then... You can kind of feel where it's headed, and you think you get the point of view of the dog over all that time for like a quick eight to ten seconds, and then you're just like this crippling thought of, oh, this dog's going to die, and it doesn't. It just welcomes in the next generation when a baby's born. It was just a beautifully done commercial. The song choice was perfect. All of it. It was It was just really, really, really well done, and and obviously, unless unless you just don't like dogs— it hit an emotional tone with everybody and, and probably made you feel guilty if you're like me and buy your dog food at Walmart. All right, I think I think we lost Tommy there for just a second, so uh, we'll get Tommy back in just a minute. Yeah, Super Bowl, thanks to the uh, to the marketing society there for – for having me on for that. It was an interesting year. Super Bowl commercials for me, uh, as we try to reconnect with Tommy, are a little bit different than they used to be now because typically, like I was on this Super Bowl, I'm working. The Chiefs have been involved with so many of them, or if they happen to be CBS games, um, I typically have to work on the Super Bowl, so I don't have as much time to just totally lock in and watch every single commercial as if I would be able to if I were at a Super Bowl party. Right. Um, that would make that would make things uh, a little bit different. All right, Tommy, we got you back now. No, no, that, this is me. This is Jad. Oh, uh, Jad, Jad. Yes. Did you watch Super Bowl commercials, Jad? Uh, I've watched the Super Bowl commercials. I I I have a tendency not to do it live, but I'll go back and watch them just because there's always some sort of discussion around them, and so I I I kind of always want to be a part of that usually. And I don't know. To be honest, this year really none of them stood out to me. Yeah, I like that farmer's dog one. I mean, there were good ones. The uh, Breaking Bad commercial for yeah. those new sure. chip things were good. And, you know, for me, like, and, you know, don't throw stones at me. I haven't even watched Breaking Bad yet, but I knew exactly what that was. I think sometimes you have to be careful with celebrities because not everybody's going to know who they are. Right. Um, but, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's always a, an adventure with Super Bowl ads. But, yeah, like— it's just I have to work too much now, so I watch what I can. It's it is fun now that you can go back and find them pretty easily. That's I think even amplified uh, the appeal for those advertisers even more. That you can build the hype, you can deliver, then people can go find them again. Uh, so we've got Tommy back in yes. now. Tommy, what? So 
What was your favorite? What did you hate? What What did you think of this year's commercials? Uh, you know, I thought they were forgettable overall. I didn't think it was a great year for commercials. I did like the uh, Will Ferrell one. Uh, yeah. where he was you know, driving, he became the zombie and, you know, I thought that was pretty good. Um, I thought that you mentioned the breaking bad one. Uh, I was a fan of, of that. Um, I love Brian Cranston. So that I, I was really a big fan of that, but you know what, for the first time, I think in a long time, I actually watched a commercial and then went and did something because I watched the commercial, which that doesn't really happen a whole lot. That's the whole point of advertising, right? Uh, yeah. when they were advertising the full swing documentary on Netflix, uh, I made sure that I, I, I started that watching that documentary. Uh, it, it's it, it's so good. My wife and I just finished it all about the PGA Tour last year. Uh, and oh wow, it, yeah, it's, I, I didn't it's see a, that. It's commercial. incredible. Yeah, it's so good. It was you know I didn't see everything. I watched as many as I could. And at that panel, we were asked what did we hate or which ones did we not like. And and for me, it was the M and M's one. Um, it yeah. had all this hype and attention, which I think at times can be a goal, right? couple of things about it, though. I don't think anybody really understood what was trying to happen. And the other part of it, and for me as, you know, somebody of the old school Michael Jordan ilk, like I just can't imagine why you would ever want to make half of your customers angry. And whether M&M's intended for this to become some political punching bag and cable news fiasco or not, it, that that's that's a miss to me if that happens because you, you've made too many people mad. Like I can't I, – I, it you haven't achieved your goal. Like if I'm going to have to sit there and, you know, talk to my dad about why M&M's make him angry now, right? Like that's, that's, not, that's not really achieving your goal of selling more M&M's. Uh, you know, if that's if that's Eminem's goal, which I assume it is. And again, I don't even know that that was what they intended to happen. I have no idea. I, I'm I'm again, I'm the worst person in the world to talk about all that stuff because I just I don't have time for it. Um, so I know it was there, though. And and if it happened accidentally, then that's a miss in general to me, because you just I, I, I would never want to make people angry if I was trying to convince them to buy something from me. Right. And. And so that 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 one to me was the one that that didn't didn't do it for me because I think that overall in general that was probably not a sound a sound delivery on on what they had hoped for. Yeah, I think they were trying to be like overly ironic, uh, and I think it just went over the head of a lot of people. Um, well, because of yeah, all the it went over the head of a lot of people, them. right? right. And, but but then it was picked up and and again, I I, I don't think their intention was to make this like cable news dialogue why would first of all i don't think anybody with a sane mind would want anything they do to have anything to do with cable news in any direction left right up down sideways whatever because it's just like well in my opinion it's all kind of a cesspool and and it's just like whatever it is but man i'd never want my ad campaign to be at the center of that Sometimes yeah. you want attention and you'd say any attention is good attention. I don't think that's the case when you're trying to sell something. Because again, like we don't need half of our customer base upset with us or angry. That doesn't make a lot of sense from a marketing perspective, right? Uh so yeah, I, I don't know. That was that was the one that stood out to me as just like a what that that seems that was a as fifteen million dollars for that. Uh okay. Hey, good uh, luck, Jacob. 
you said yeah. that you were a part of this panel. I've just got to ask you, did anybody, especially on the, the hate it, did anybody mention the Squarespace Adam Driver singularity? No, that one actually got, I think, pretty good reviews. We didn't talk about that one specifically. That one would have – there was like a – I won't use the acronym because it might get me in trouble. It was uh-huh. like, what was that, right? There's right. something – there's an acronym similar to what was that. Yeah. Um, that one would have fit there, I think. Um, I I thought it was like the production quality was really interesting, but that's definitely one where you have to go figure out what they're talking about. Right. And sometimes – I think at the Super Bowl, those can be okay because, like, if you have a product nobody knows about and you can figure out a way to get them, there's a great panelist who's, who's like, an analytics pro who, you know, checks trends and everything. And, and a lot of these she brought up, like, info and data on how much things were searched. And, like, a lot of those commercials do achieve their goal, right? Like, if people are looking at your product. So that Farmer's Dog commercial I, I mentioned, like, it was clear what that was. And if you didn't know about that product – you're going to go find out, and you can figure it out. One, I thought that was important. That if even if you didn't know what that was beforehand, you knew what what it was by the end of the commercial, and you probably went and looked into it. But some of these, like I remember when you remember when GoDaddy started, they were oh, one yeah. of the, you know they had they had campaigns every year, and man, Danica Patrick did a lot of the GoDaddy yeah. ads. Yeah, it was perfect for what I'm sure they were trying to achieve, which was to get people to even know who they were. And and we all did. Right. Because everyone said, what's GoDaddy? And and we found out. Right. They hosted websites. And so sometimes I think those are really effective. And, and that one probably was just because it was kind of a cool looking commercial. And he's I think he's so popular now that you attach him to anything and you're probably going to find success. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, too, that the, the, this year the commercials were, um, I thought, better. It wasn't the all-time worst. Like, it was better than, and I know exactly what year it was. It was the year the Seahawks and the Patriots played when the Patriots intercepted Russell Wilson at the one-yard line to win the game. That year, I think Katy Perry also performed the halftime show. That year, the commercials were so depressing. You remember that year? Like, there were all these really sad ones. And the Farmer's Dog, when, like those were all sweet and touching, but these were, like, really, really, like, bummer commercials where I, I watched him and I'm like, I feel depressed. Like, come on. It's it's funny how trends happen too, right? Like you get a lot of a lot of the same things happening. It, it's an it's an interesting concept because it's so expensive to buy Super Bowl ads, but it's so worth it. Like nowhere else can you command that diverse an audience all at one time where you know people are actually watching the commercial. Like how smart and I don't know whether it was intentional or not, but watching the commercials is is a thing. Like it's it's one of the few times where people are, are looking forward to and enjoying commercials. Uh, so it, it, that you know, the, people always say, "Well, God, could that be worth that much?" Well, it is because they're paying it. Number one and number two, yeah, I I think depending on what your product is, if boy, if you sell something that's there was one – okay, so here's an example, and I'm trying to remember it now. So there was one that's like a – oh, the Rockstar, right? The Rockstar commercial Yeah. Uh, where all the old – you know, somebody brought that one up as a maybe like was that a good one? And I actually thought that one was a really good one, and, I, and this is going to not make a lot of sense to what I'm going to say because I can't remember the name of the company that did it. But nobody knew what that company was. They went after it. It was one of the – you know, the production quality and the entertainment value of the commercial was really high, obviously – but the thing is, like, yeah, that's not going to appeal to everybody, but it's HR software, 
right? So like, what what does that cost? I don't even know what it costs, but imagine like, it's not like you're buying M&Ms at that point or a beer, right? You're spending probably upwards of whatever, 50 to $100 a month for this HR software. How many of those do you have to sell to pay off on 7 sure. million when you have an audience of 155 million, right? Like that one makes sense to me as a time where you just do an awesome commercial, attach your, your company's name to it and hope that you get the ret- – I, I would bet that that was worth their time. We'll put it that way. I'll bet that that commercial was worth their time. And it would have been, I would imagine, one of the more expensive commercials because what did you have? Like seven or eight different endorsements you would have had to pay out on that too. Uh, but I'll bet for them, I'll, I would imagine that it'll be worth it for them. All right, guys. Lightning round. Very quickly. Favorite okay. Super Bowl ad campaign. First one that comes this to mind. Year? Ever? Yeah. Ever? Of Ever. all time? Uh, I'm going to go with the Budweiser Frogs. That one's probably my favorite one of all time. Oh, man. That is definitely up there. Um, what's yours, Jad? Uh, Terry Tate, office linebacker. Oh, that's a great one, oh, too. That's good. We <laughs> actually spoofed that at my last TV station. Um, we we spoofed that and and had some fun with a local like arena football player where he was like our office enforcer like that it was, <laughs> it was awesome we had we it was a really it ended up being a really really cool uh commercial that we did um but i i think for me the the chefs wasn't the chefs uh, the chiefs in zone paint that was a super bowl commercial originally wasn't it the great googly moogly one yeah great yeah. googly moogly where yeah. he misspelled Chiefs in the end zone. I'm pretty sure that was a Super Bowl commercial originally. And that was, yeah, that that was, that's if that was, that would be my favorite all time. Okay. I think the other one, if I, I, I said the Budweiser Frogs, that's number one. Number two for me has got to be the, the ad for Pepsi when Coke, uh, the Coke delivery guy, and it's the security camera, and he's loading the Cokes into the vending machine. And then he goes and grabs a Pepsi and they all fall out and everybody's looking at him because he's a Coke delivery guy and he's drinking a Pepsi. That that one's probably up there for me, too. Yeah, there's there. I, I love it. I do like it. I wish, you know, some when I don't have to work them all, I'll be able to lock back in. But it's it's been a while since that's been the case. So thanks to the American Marketing Association for uh, for letting me join that panel. It was it was fun, fun little event um, as we you know, we talked about Super Bowl commercials. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. Speaking of Super Bowl, the offensive coordinator of the Super Bowl winning team. More shade from Shady McCoy. What do we think about it? Eric Bieniemy gone from Kansas City. We'll talk about it next on Sports Daily. Welcome back. Here we go. Sports Daily. Eric Bieniemy. He's now a Washington commander, the offensive coordinator there. In uh, bet on yourself move for sure for Bieniemy, who has been looked over as a head coaching opportunity again. All right. LaShawn McCoy, who was an original, you know, uh, critic of Eric Bieniemy, played for him for a very brief time in Kansas City. I'll just read you some of the quote here. He said this on FS1. 
quote, what's his value? What makes him a good offensive coordinator? The problem is a lot of these people that go on social media, he should be the guy for the job. They haven't played there. I've been in the rooms where he's coaching, and he has nothing to do with the passing game at all. When the plays are designed, that's Andy Reid. When you talk about offensive coordinators, I can tell you what makes Brian Dable with the Giants a very good coordinator. I can tell you about Andy Reid or Doug Peterson, but Eric Bieniemy, what makes him good? When we watch film of practices and we correct the wide receivers, the running backs, the quarterbacks, he doesn't talk in there. Andy Reid talks in there. Um, he goes on to say he's rooting for him as a black coach and, and his success and guys get overlooked and that he wishes him well. He just says, where is the true value at? I think, Tommy, I, that whether you believe, because other Chiefs have come back and disagreed with, with Shady McCoy, Jamal Charles, uh, didn't. But that's the thing. So the guys that... <laughs> The guys that defended Eric Bieniemy didn't say, at least that I've seen, that what LaShawn McCoy was saying wasn't true. They are downplaying its importance for sure, right? But they're not necessarily saying, yes, he did talk in those meetings. He very much did this. They're just saying he's a great dude and he deserves it. And why are you picking on him, basically? But I think that's the issue that Eric Bieniemy was never going to be able to overcome. We talked about this last week before he we went over there, Tommy. Like Doug Peterson was connected to Andy Reid, but Doug Peterson has such a clear connection to quarterbacks, right? Eric Bieniemy's a running backs coach, and I don't know how much that's valued anymore in the NFL. Fair or unfair, that was his path to get there, and he just so happens to be underneath one of the most involved offensive head coaches we've ever seen in this league. He had to get out if he wants to be a head coach. It just wasn't going to happen. But you know the two guys that are the most critical of Eric Bieniemy, LaShawn McCoy, and Le'Veon Bell are both running backs that neither one of them had success in Kansas City. They barely played. They didn't really do a whole lot. Both of them came in with these expectations that they could, you know, recreate the success that they had had uh, at their former stops. And neither one of them did that. And neither one of them are in the league anymore. And so you don't see guys that have had success in the Kansas City offense, critical of Eric Bieniemy, Jamal Charles is defending him. Tyreek Hill is defending him. These are guys that have had success in that system that regardless if Andy Reid is leading the charge as the head coach, Eric Bieniemy is a key cog in the machine to make that whole thing happen. And I think the reason why LaShawn McCoy is going on national TV and you know talking about the value and all of that is because I'm sure he probably didn't feel like he was utilized to the best of his ability during his time in Kansas City. But he was also kind of a shell of his former self when he came in and played for Kansas City. So, you know, I think you have to get to that get that context around it too that he kind of flamed out with the Chiefs. Didn't really wasn't able to really have a a big time impact when he was a member of the roster. So, I think that's one of the one of the reasons why you have to kind of take what Shady says with a grain of salt because I think if he had had success in Kansas City, you probably wouldn't you probably wouldn't see him saying that. No, yeah, I mean that I don't look. The thing about the Lashawn McCoy angle to this is I I don't necessarily I don't value like his opinion any more than anybody else's. But what I think has been really interesting about him doing this is he's saying the things that, to me, are the only 
logical reason that Bienemy hasn't had his chance. Yes, the NFL has an issue with hiring black coaches. There is no question about that. The numbers tell us that, right? It's not a true representation. There's no doubt about that. I don't know. I don't think it's been singularly that, though, that's held Eric Bieniemy back. Is it a contributing factor? I mean, probably so. I, I don't know that answer. And, and I would defer to somebody with more knowledge on that to, to answer that question. But what I do always wonder is why are so many different teams so consistently overlooking him specifically, right? And and I and I don't know the answer, but I've always wondered, right? Is it because he's a running backs guy and everybody's focused on the quarterback right now in the passing game? And and sometimes LaShawn McCoy points those things out, and I'm like, it makes sense to me. Is it fair? No, it's not fair. But, but does I the think title really matter all that much? I mean, okay, it's not so the title; the, it's the path. But, it's the, it's right, the but path. what I'm saying is that if the argument is that Eric Bieniemy isn't involved in the passing game, that's what Lashawn McCoy is saying. Uh, I would imagine that somebody like Matt Nagy, who yeah, he's a quarterbacks coach, so he's going to be involved in the passing game probably more than Eric Bieniemy is. But if it's Andy Reid doing it, it's Andy Reid doing it, and so. Matt Nagy was able to go and get a head coaching job. Uh, and if that's the case, if LaShawn McCoy is correct and that Andy Reid is doing all the heavy lifting as far as the passing game is concerned, then why did Matt Nagy get a head coaching job? Well, look, what, what was Nagy? I mean, I, I, I've got to look at Nagy's direct path. Eric Bieniemy was a was a player. I mean, we know more about Eric Bieniemy's path than, than Matt Nagy's because he was a former player that was a pretty good running back for a while. Um, let's just look at what position he played. Uh, he was, I think he was, a was he a quarterback? He was the quarterback's coach for Kansas city. Yeah. And he was a quarterback. Okay. So that, I mean, that's a part of the same with Doug Peterson. I met Nagy was for the university the of Delaware. Of- Right, I mean, he but played in still, the Arena Football League. Okay, but he was a court, but he was a quarterback, right? And and Doug Peterson was a quarterback, and uh, Sean McVay's guys, I, I, you know, Zach Taylor, for instance, was a quarterback, right? I, I've always thought that the fact that Eric Bieniemy was coaching running backs, right, like not a dying breed, but certainly a different uh, view of that position now than it used to be, has been a contributing factor. Because Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, we know Andy Reid's the guy that designs these offenses. They ta- Everybody talks about it. The players talk about it all the time. Andy Reid's the guy that gets credit for that. And and th- obviously they're not intentionally, you know, discounting Eric Bieniemy's role in that. But Eric Bieniemy was a running backs coach in college. Uh he, w- he was an offensive coordinator at Colorado before becoming the running backs coach in Kansas City and then ultimately taking on the offensive coordinator. But he's never been, like, specifically listed as, like, a passing game coordinator no. or anything like that. And, but and I, I just, just feel like in the NFL they value that more. I just don't think it's right, though, that if the narrative is that Andy I'm not Reed saying is right. doing all of this, if Andy Reid is the one that's driving the ship, and, and I don't have any doubt that he is. I mean, of course, he's one of the most brilliant offensive-minded head coaches in, in, in the history of the league. I'm not discounting that whatsoever. But if he is the guy that is driving the, the, the boat, 
then why is Matt Nagy getting a head coaching job? Like clearly NFL teams valued what Matt Nagy, Matt Nagy brought to the was table. a quarterback because he was a quarterback. He has he has more experience in passing game in in passing offenses. I mean that's I it. Just, that, I'm not telling you it's fair. I'm telling you I'm telling you that that's what's that's the only difference that I can find is that is the fact that the enemy. And this is not a it's not a knock on Matt Nagy. I like Matt Nagy. And a lot of people are suggesting that he might end up being the head coach in waiting in Kansas City. I'm not knocking him whatsoever. I'm just saying that if you're going to value Andy Reid 100 percent and say he's the one that's doing all of it, then I think you have to discount all of his assistant coaches. I don't think point, he's the right? one doing all of it. I don't think he's the one doing That's all what of it. LaShawn I think McCoy is saying LaShawn no, McCoy is, LaShawn saying, McCoy is saying, doing all the talking within the as in regards to the passing game. I mean, let me ask you this, and I want an honest answer here. How much of Patrick Mahomes' success would you attribute to Eric Bieniemy? Um, I would give him. I would give him a little bit of credit. I wouldn't give him like the lion's share of the credit. But I think that it's, like I said before, I think Eric Bieniemy is a cog in the machine of the Kansas City offense. And I would suggest that the running game for Kansas City, when it's successful, has helped Patrick Mahomes be even more successful. And that's directly tied to Eric Bieniemy. I just mean the, the, the direct success and development of Patrick Mahomes. Because I think the answer, if we're being honest, is probably very little. Now, that doesn't mean anything to Eric Bieniemy's qualifications to be a head coach, right? Like guys can be great head coaches that come from a billion different walks of life and paths to get there. And Eric Bieniemy's value, before we had the little controversy of last offseason, Eric Bieniemy, like guys go to war for that guy, right? So I, I'm not saying that any of this is fair, number one, because I don't think it is fair. I'm just trying to understand why, right, why executives continue to not value his contributions as much as guys that have been quarterbacks guys? Is there a racial component? Again, I, I think that there probably is, whether it's intentional or not, but I, I, I want to understand because I know that every owner in the league wants to win, right, and, and why they think that Matt Nagy is qualified or Doug Peterson's qualified, but not Eric Bieniemy. And I think it's simply because they're involved with the quarterbacks in the passing game. And Eric Bieniemy's role is not that it has a significant and important role. And the other reality is he's had a lot of time with Andy Reid. You don't think he's picked up and learned about that stuff. Sure. And of in course the Andy he Reed, has in the Andy Reid coaching tree, since he's been in Kansas city, you've seen Doug Peterson, as the offensive coordinator, go and get a head coaching job and then go get yep. another one. We saw Matt Nagy slide into that role as the offensive coordinator, go get a head coaching job, and now he's back with Kansas City, but he went and got that head coaching job with Chicago. Eric Bieniemy is the next in line. And even though Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy had different paths to get to that offensive coordinator role than Eric Bieniemy did, who was a running back, for Colorado, was in the NFL for a while, and then ultimately ended up in that role, they all still, all three of them, had the same job title as offensive coordinator, and more than likely, all three of them have lar had and have large voices in that locker room 
and in designing the offense. Now, whether or not Andy Reid is the spokesman for it or the he is, obviously, he's the leader of the team and he, he's an offensive minded guy. So he's clearly involved. But if that's been a knock on Eric Bieniemy, that, well, you know, Andy Reid's pretty involved in that offense. You don't think Andy Reid was involved when Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy were the offensive coordinators? Absolutely he was. Of course, he was. Of course he, was. he was. And they still and, got head coaching jobs. Yeah, and and they but they coached specifically the quarterback position. Here's an even better case uh, than the ones you're making. Brian Dable. Brian Dable was a safety as a player and started as a defensive assistant and and has become one of the great offensive minds, right, in the NFL right now. It can come from anywhere. It can come from anywhere. And the fact that Eric Bieniemy played running back, it's naive to think he could never coach a passing game because he played running back and has coached running backs, right? But I'm just trying to understand. I think it's the reality, which is why the move to Washington makes a ton of sense. If he has success in year one as Washington's offensive coordinator, if they get better, and you want to talk about a gamble now, we don't know who their quarterback is uh, necessarily. So, But if he goes there and they're successful offensively, and let's just say they improve offensively. He's going to be head coach two years from now. It'll take that. It'll be that fast, right? If he goes and they're good, he'll be an offensive coordinator right away. And if I mean a head coach right away. And if he's not, then there is something much bigger happening somewhere that we don't know about and we can't see, because it won't take it. It will take no time for him to say, "Hey, look, it wasn't all Andy Reid." For him to get hired immediately, I would think. And if we're talking about you know, paths to get to where you are today. What did Andy Reid play? Tight end? No, he was an offensive lineman. I don't I mean, yeah. and Look, and that, that's great. Totally. Like, I don't care. I don't care what Andy Reid did 50 years ago. I don't, it doesn't bother me in the same way that I don't care what Eric Bieniemy or Matt Nagy or Doug, I don't care what these guys did in the past or what it took to get them to this position. I want to know what they're doing right now. And going back to my original point, the only ones, the only players that are publicly blasting Eric Bieniemy are the ones that didn't have success under him. That's it. Yeah. LaShawn McCoy, Le'Veon Bell. Those are the only two guys that are coming out on social media and on national TV that are knocking him. That's it. And so you, you think that there might be a little bit of bitterness there? Probably. They, they weren't able to have the success with Eric Bieniemy as their offensive coordinator as guys like Jamal Charles and, and others that had been through that system they were able to have. Yeah, it's, it is it is one of the real questions. It is so fascinating to me, this dynamic. And, and you know, it, it's, it's just – if you go into the racial component of it and wonder, like – because – Look, I I I listen and observe and do these things, and I know for a long time, and I don't think it's the case anymore, thanks to some some awesome trailblazing young quarterbacks. But it wasn't that long ago where there were a lot of people who didn't think black guys could play quarterback well, and and as silly as that seems now, it was the reality again not that long ago. I think we've broken through that, and I don't think people feel that way much anymore, if at all. There's probably something still to running an offense, right? Being a head coach, being an offensive genius. It, it, it's one of those stereotypes you wonder about, like, like 
gym rat, right? When you talk about successful white basketball players, oh, he's a gym rat. He's he's in the film room all the time. Like all the, all those cliches, you wonder if it goes the other way. And and I think that we'd be very naive to not realize that it does go the other way when it comes to Eric Bieniemy in this situation. Now, to happen over and over again every off season, though. That's the part of it that that has that's what's fascinating to me and like there's there what is it here and and again we we talked about this last week if there was ever a time the reinvention of this Chiefs offense and the development of a seventh round pick you want to talk about run game think of, look at the development of Isaiah Pacheco in that run yeah. game which was non-existent to a contributing factor to them winning a Super Bowl like if there was ever the offseason it was this one yeah. And then, and, and, and right. then here we and go I, again. Right. And then I also look, and we talked about this last week too, the list of guys that have gotten NFL head coaching jobs over Eric Bieniemy in the last two or three years. Not all of them are bad, but some of them are really right. bad. Urban Meyer is really bad. Yeah, but Adam Urban Meyer Biggs. at least, there have been worse ones than Urban Meyer. Now, the results on Urban Meyer were the worst they could be. But Adam the higher Gase at the time, real, you're like, Adam eh. Gase. Adam Gase got I, two oh, head coaching jobs with the Jets bring and the up Dolphins. Adam Gase. Yeah. Joe Judge was terrible. Like there were Nathaniel yeah. Hackett. There were terrible head coaching hires. They all got jobs over Eric Bieniemy, and even in spite of that, he still can't get a head coaching job. Let me ask you another question, just for a, a hip shot reaction. When and if the opportunity comes for Eric Bieniemy to be a head coach, do you think he'll be a successful one? Yes. I think so, too, uh, because I think he's going to be able to, even if these, you know, passing game deficiencies are there, as Shady McCoy uh, alludes to, I think that sometimes being the absolute architect of the of the offense isn't necessary to be successful, right? Like, you can do that when you surround yourself with other great people. And and I think that Bienemy would be able to do that. And it's really can you motivate that locker room and can you keep things in order and how organized are you and all those little things. Because we see defensive coaches, right? Mike Tomlin be great head coaches. Mike Vrabel, right? It happens all the time. So it, it it's it's more about personality with those guys. And I think Bienemy has some of that personality, right? He at least sen- seems to. So it it, it is this this thing has been so weird and odd to watch and i i am real curious to see how it goes in washington it's tommy they don't have a quarterback yeah i'll tell you if if he can get success out of that commander's mm. offense if it's sam howell or taylor heineke or whoever the quarterback is there if they go out and get a free agent or make a trade or whatever they draft somebody uh if if eric Bieniemy can get that commander's offense rolling, man, that uh, that's incredible. And and that's exactly what he has got to do, unfortunately, to get a head coaching job. But I suspect he'll be able to do it. Yeah, I, I do too. I do too. We'll, we'll see because they do have – they got some talented running backs. They've got some really talented receivers, and, and I believe that they expect to have a decent line. So they really are – they could be a plug-and-play quarterback offense, uh, maybe. But it'll be an interesting spot. Eric Bieniemy no longer with the Chiefs. Um, on another day, we can discuss what we think the impact of that 
will be on the Chiefs. Real quick before we take a break, uh, we'll give away, uh, we'll do another giveaway this hour here on some uh, on some coffee cards from HTO. We launched the Brew House at HTO East on Friday. Uh, we'll give away another couple coffee cards. You can come in and try it out. Let us know what you think. Uh, that will go to our first caller here, 869-1240. We'll come back. One more full segment to go here on this Wednesday. Welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster here with you. Uh, Tommy, the Jets are reportedly, by multiple reports, pushing hard for Derek Carr. Derek Carr's brother, David, says it's going to be a long process. It'll take some time. Boy, don't you think if... If Derek, if the Jets want Derek Carr, and that's the best spot to be, isn't it? Is there another job or another spot that would be better than for, for Derek Carr than the Jets? We bring up, I bring that up because Washington, where we just talked about, I think would be a pretty appealing spot. But I haven't heard them rumored with him at all. I haven't heard anything about Washington and what they're going to do. I mean, the Colts uh, are interesting for a, a team. But, like, if, if your other options are the Saints, no. Come on. Um you know, maybe the Bucks are are as good when you consider the division that the Jets play in. But man, if the Jets want me that bad, I I, I think that'd be the top spot for any of these guys that are going to be free agent quarterbacks. I don't know why you say no so quickly on the Saints. Dennis Allen drafted Derek Carr. He's the coach of the well, Saints. I'm just now. talking about he the, was I'm there. talking about the place where you can win. Now, the one thing about the Saints is they play in a crappy division. Um, at least by last year's standards. And Carolina is another team in there that might fit that as well. But Carolina will be in position to draft a young quarterback. But I think if I'm if I'm looking at two teams honestly and which one gives me the better chance to, to make a run in the playoffs, the Jets or the Saints, I think at this point it's the Jets, especially when we think Alvin Kamara may be in big trouble this year. Well, that makes sense as far as Derek Carr is concerned. If the Jets want you, then, then go there. But it, it's surprising to me that Derek Carr is the top priority for the Jets. I know they and reached out to the Rogers. Packers about Aaron Rodgers, but I'd rather go after Aaron Rodgers for well, sure. Well, I would too. Over Derek I would Carr. Too. I think with, with the roster that the Jets have right now, and if they bring Derek Carr in, yeah, I think Derek Carr can probably lead them to the playoffs. But can Derek Carr lead you to a Super Bowl win? I don't think so. I think he's a well, middle of the road quarterback. Listen. He's got a good, he'll, he'll have a good <laughs> roster around him with New York, and that's cool. He's got, you know, Brees Hall should be coming back, and they've got really young receivers that are great. Sauce Gardner on the defense is a lot of fun. They've got a good roster, but I don't think Derek Carr is going to win you a Super Bowl. So if I, I get it for Derek Carr, like if the Jets want you that bad and they want to sign you for all that money, then absolutely go for it. But for the Jets, man, like I would almost rather go all in on Aaron Rodgers. I would too. I'm wondering if they don't have some insight that that may be not an option. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? But where else like, is Aaron Rodgers going to go? I mean, I know that there's it's on the table. He might retire, but he's not going back to the Packers. And so, you know, unless there are trade talks going on with other teams right now, I don't know if there are a lot of other teams out there that are going to be willing to give up what the Packers will require to trade for Aaron Rodgers. 
Right. I mean, if you can get Derek Carr for money and Aaron Rodgers costs you money and two first round picks and not knowing for another two months whether you're going to have him. I mean, I, I don't think it'd be crazy to just go ahead and be like, you know what? No, thanks. Right. Like is the difference in Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr worth, let's say it's two first round picks at minimum plus the money plus not knowing for a couple of months in your offseason. Yeah, but is the difference between Aaron Rodgers and, and Derek Carr a Super Bowl? I mean, that's the that's the yep, big question. That is so question. it depends upon how pot committed uh, the, the Jets are with their current roster. And if they, if they feel like they're a top-tier quarterback away, it's got to be Aaron Rodgers then. The counter to that, and I'm not disagreeing with you, but the counter to that is before last season, did you think Jalen Hurts was good enough to get to a Super Bowl? Yeah, but Derek Carr and Jalen Hurts are two different people. And well, yeah, Derek they Carr, are. Of course they are. but Derek, Derek Carr has a, a a long body of work that tells you that he's not a Super Bowl caliber quarterback. Jalen Hurts only had two years under his belt. Is is Aaron Rodgers with the Jets good enough to knock off Burrow and Allen and Mahomes and Herbert? I don't know that that's true either. I mean, that's the conundrum, right? If, uh, if no, you're Derek talking Carr's about anything not. in the AFC. Yeah. Well, well, no, I know. I agree. I'm not sure anybody is. That's. It's going to be tricky. That that's the problem, I think. If you're the if you're evaluating, is having to look at it that way. Uh, we'll we'll continue, obviously, to follow that throughout the offseason. We'll come back. We'll wrap up Sports Daily right after this.